Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of Our Golden Twenties. I'm Tegan, and I'm here with Sadie. Hi, everybody. Happy Tuesday. (laughs) And today we are here to kind of reflect and talk about our lives, our careers, and how we kind of got to the places we are right now and maybe where we want to go in the future. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think that sounds good. I actually feel like I'm in need of some soul searching on the work front. So hopefully this episode brings that for me. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like this time of year is, I feel like it's especially hard in general. And now that we're working from home, it's just like you're doing the same work every day. I feel like minor things at work that aren't that annoying in normal life are just like driving me crazy right now. Like, oh, yeah. I'm just like kind of annoyed with the world. So I feel like it'll be good to be like, okay, here's the hardships I've gone through to get to where I am. Exactly. And I think we talked about this in a few episodes back about knowing your worth, but we talked about celebrating our wins. And you said that was something big you wanted to like start doing more of. So I hope this episode we can think back on our journey so far. There's that word again, journey, but we can also use it as time to like, be like, wow, look at how far I've come in such a short amount of time. And Mm -hmm. hopefully people listening can relate. And then during this episode or after you guys can also reflect on your career, because I think it's so common for us just to get stuck in the day to day. And for me anyway, I'm constantly thinking about what's next. And it's not often that I'm reflecting on how I've done so much and worked so hard to get to where I am today and Mm -hmm. to celebrate where I'm at today. So hopefully we can do that too. Yeah. So today I think we're going to start out with a segment we're kind of playing around with. We're kind of playing around in general with the idea of maybe having like a short segment off the top before we dive into our bigger topic. So today we just kind of wanted to throw out something we're calling like a Tuesday tip. So both Sadie and I have kind of a tip, something super quick we're just going to touch on that's kind of like an actionable thing that the listeners can kind of do in their normal life, especially when I feel like an episode's more kind of general and not as actionable as some of the previous episodes. So uh, Sadie, did you want to tell us all your Tuesday tip? I would love to. So guys, this is new, hot off the press, something I'm trying out in my life right now. (laughs) And I'm loving it and feel like I need to talk to you guys about it. And it's kind of specific, so bear with me here. But I've had magnesium pills in my like drawer with my vitamins for so long now. And I bought them originally because magnesium is supposed to help with like, you know, gut health and period cramps and all that kind of stuff. So another thing that apparently is becoming normal is just me talking about my period on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to our 10% of male (laughs) listeners. (laughs) But anyways, um, that's why I got magnesium like months and months and months ago. Anyways, I saw this graphic on Instagram the other day actually maybe like last week, two weeks ago, and it was like trying magnesium for the first time. And I'll share this graphic on our Instagram when this podcast episode goes live. But basically it was talking about how magnesium could really like help your sleep. And I Mm -hmm. had no idea that was like an effect of it since I thought it was all just like gut health and 
you know, selfishly the reasons I was taking it. Um, <laughs> but when I saw this, I was like, wow, you know, like I feel in this pandemic, people's like sleep patterns have been up and down. Like you're exhausted from doing nothing, but then it comes time to actually sleep and you can't sleep even though you're so tired or, you know, our minds are running all the time from work or whatever else. So I've been in this like up and down sleep pattern. And when I saw this, I was like, hey, I'm going to start taking magnesium at night and see what it does for my sleep patterns. And I, like I said, this is very new and I know everybody's different. Like we all, you know, lack certain things and our bodies are very different from one another. So what works for me might not work for you, but I've found so far just in like my first week and a bit of taking magnesium at night, it helps me sleep so much. And like, I'm having, I'm not the type of person to have dreams or remember my dreams, but mm -hmm. one of these side effects or not side effects, but one of these benefits on this infographic about magnesium and sleep is how it helps you sleep better, remember your dreams and also um, have less morning grogginess. And I find that's been, all of those things have been true for me. Like I said, I'm not usually the type to dream and remember my dreams, but this past week I could literally tell you about three dreams that I've had <laughs> in like vivid detail. And I'm also not a morning person, but the month of February, I was really proud of myself for showing up with a consistent morning routine. And I think the like magnesium has helped me actually get up in the mornings and have less morning grogginess, like it said. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Big tip is take magnesium if, you know, you're open to it or if you think you could benefit from it and if you think it will work with your body and whatever else. But it's really working for me, and that is my tip. <laughs> Love it. Have to check it out. Right? My tip is uh, kind of financial-based because I was talking to my husband, and this is, you know, if you're a freelancer, the time when you are starting to figure out all your financials because tax season is crazy when you're a freelancer, and I am not looking forward to it because I spent like half the year as a freelancer. I got some unemployment insurance. I got some CERB. I got a full-time job. Like it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be in that similar boat though, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I do my own taxes. Like I buy a program and do them, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but my tip is that now is a really, really good time to make an appointment with your bank, um, whether it's like over the phone or virtually. I just had an appointment that was like a Zoom call, basically, um, because your bank, you are paying the money and they're there to grow your wealth. So um, I feel like especially now, obviously, like this pandemic has been so different for so many people. So whether it's that you've like had to dip into your savings because you've lost a job or like I am like in a weird situation where I'm seeing my savings grow because a lot of the things that I would spend money on were like experiences and going out to bars and concerts. And I didn't have that anymore. So my priorities changed and I was like, I do not know how to deal with my money. I am not like a numbers person at all. Uh, so I set up a call with my bank and they like, that is literally what their job is. And so, and I feel like for a lot of young people, it's kind of overwhelming or people think that they don't have enough money to kind of warrant doing anything besides keeping your money, like in a checkings account and maybe a savings account. 
but I just feel like now, especially because you can do like virtual appointments, you don't even have to leave your house. It's the perfect Mm -hmm. time. Like you can tell your bank your goals. Like I was saying, I want to get a car. I want to own a house. And they were like, okay, so you want to own a house in five years. You have to put this amount of money into this kind of account, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I found it very helpful and easy. And I just feel like there are so many things, especially for young people. Like if you are a young person who wants to own a home, obviously we don't know what the future holds, but there are so many things like the bank was telling me if you put money into your RRSP, which is for retirement, you can then take the money out of that account to purchase a home without Mm -hmm. any like deductions or anything crazy and it's interest-free for 15 years because they're trying to get young people to save money for retirement basically and I was like I had no idea I was like not prioritizing my retirement as far as my savings plan but then with this one easy zoom call I was like oh okay got it so that's my tip talk to your bank that's such a great tip yeah I think that's a great tip and especially for people in their 20s like you said it's not Mm -hmm. often a priority for us because you know, the priority is probably paying off student loans or Mm -hmm. just having fun living our lives because that's what your 20s are for. (laughs) So, you know, you're going to the bar, like you're saying, going to concerts, whatever. But you really should be saving, especially once you have a stable income, you should be saving money for your future and your retirement. And your bank is definitely there to like help you do that Mm -hmm. and like kind of guide you. Um, I think that's a great tip because the more time you're saving money and like contributing to any sort of investment or just saving money, obviously you're giving it more time to grow and grow and grow. And Mm -hmm. there's literally no downside to starting to saving money early, you know? Yeah, exactly. And they can set it up so that it's like something automatically that comes off your paycheck so that it's not, you know, giving you more things to think about or whatever. It's you just basically earning money off of the money that you're already earning without putting in any effort. Yeah, that's actually so true. I So I'm the type of person, sorry, this is now turning into a money discussion, I guess. <laughs> but I'm the type of person who spends my money so frivolous, frivol- why can't I say that word? Frivolously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like I see money in my account, therefore feel like I have money to spend. So automatic deposits or automatic mm. transfers to my saving account has been a game changer for me. And automatic like payments on my student loans was Mm -hmm. how I was able to pay off my student loans in just two years because once that money's just gone I can't spend it on anything else you know so I do the exact same thing for like my TFSA and my RRSP and I find that money is growing so quickly because it's just reoccurring every two weeks this much money comes off the day I get paid before I Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to spend it on anything else. Mm -hmm. And then it's basically like the bank is making the budget for you. It's not like you have to be like, okay, this much of my paycheck's going to savings, this much I can spend. If they're doing the work, you can see what you can spend and it's way easier. Yeah. Good tip, Tag. I love that. Thanks. So I don't know. That's our segment. We're trying it out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Yeah, I think we'll yeah, see we if might Tuesday do like tip comes back. Yeah, we'll do like different segments every episode. I think, but I feel like yeah. Tuesday tip could be reoccurring at some point. Yeah, just have to keep tuning in to finding out. Yeah, so yeah. our main kind of topic that we wanted to dive into 
was like we were saying, kind of evaluating our career, what got us to where we are, especially like, I feel like if there are people listening who are maybe younger or even people who have maybe lost their jobs during the pandemic and are kind of just looking for insights into like, how did you get your job? What steps did you take? Cause like, I have a lot of friends who are still in school and haven't mm-hmm. even sort of like entered the workforce yet. So I feel like it'll be good. And because I feel like we kind of had similar paths in some ways and different paths in other ways. For sure. Yeah. It was interesting. Last year I was reading this book about how your twenties is like prime time for everything, but it's prime time for advancing your career because you're really just starting out and how you Mm -hmm. start out can really, I guess, impact, you know, how fast your career goes. And, you know, if you take it seriously at the beginning, you can get a lot further in the end kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I think like you're saying, Tag, regardless if you're just, you know, graduating from school and you're just starting to work full time for the first time, or if you're looking for a new job, either because you just want to change for yourself, maybe different company, same job, or just totally different job altogether, or you've lost your job and you're just looking for any kind of job, hopefully this episode resonates with you in some capacity. Yeah. So do you want to kind of start up by telling us maybe like what school you went to, like why you, what you studied, why you studied that, start out in the early days, the OG days? (laughs) Yeah. So It's so interesting. I think I've said this before, but I am such a reflective person and I'm somebody who has come to believe that everything happens for a reason. And I probably am going to rant too much about this, so I'm going to keep it as brief as I can when I'm telling my story here, but I'm going to come back to that notion of everything happening for a reason, probably multiple times. So when I was in high school, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do, which I think is kind of normal for a lot of people. And I had this like really nerdy side of myself, I guess, like growing up where I loved um, like designing like websites for my favorite celebrities. Mm -hmm. I'd make like fan websites and like, you know, all this like really nerdy stuff, but it was all very like computer centric. And in a way it was marketing, even though I had no idea that it was marketing and what I was doing or how I could make a career out of it. So anyways, I was also that girl in a small town who dreamed of moving to the city and working in the fashion industry because hello, I'm the most basic bitch you'll ever meet. (laughs) (laughs) So that was also on my radar. I was like, Devil Wears Prada movie, that is going to become my dream life, or that is my dream life, and that's going to become my reality. So I basically merged those two things together, and I found the fashion communication program at Ryerson. And people listening to this are like, hey, girl, but you didn't go to Ryerson. And (laughs) that's right. I did not go to Ryerson. Um, I ended up going to Seneca College in Toronto, Um, my dream was to go to Ryerson and I was very set on that, but my parents were very realistic and like, you can't put all your eggs in one basket, like, you know, apply to other schools. So I applied to other fashion business programs, um, that most closely mirrored the fashion communication program at Ryerson. And at the time, my dad, I don't think he would listen to this, but my mom might be, and she'll (laughs) probably tell him that. My dad said to me, I think you 
what you want to do is go to school for marketing. And I was like, no, dad, you know nothing. Like, don't act like you know me. I want to go to school for fashion. You have no idea what you're talking about. Turns out he was right. I should have probably (laughs) (laughs) looked into marketing programs because at the end of the day, that is what I'm most passionate about and what I'm pursuing now. Mm. But um, I didn't know that at the time. So I was going to school for fashion business and Ryerson didn't work out. Basically, I was waitlisted there and... I just didn't have the same like feeling as, you know, waiting it out, seeing if I actually do get in. So I ended up turning them down and going to Seneca, which accepted me for their fashion business management program. So all of that is kind of how I started out, I guess. Um, And it was through the fashion business management program at Seneca that I really learned what marketing was since marketing was a key part of that program. Also, we talked a lot about like fashion buying and merchandising and product development, all that stuff. But I really didn't like that side of it. I really loved the marketing courses. Mm -hmm. And it was through this program that I learned what marketing is and how my dad was right all those years ago by telling me that he thinks I'm most passionate about marketing. And like I said, that's what I've ended up doing now. I don't even work in the fashion industry now, but that's kind of how it all started for me. (laughs) Mm. So yeah, when I was in high school, I literally did not, I really, really, really hated high school a lot, even though I'm, (laughs) I enjoy school, but it was just something about it was making me crazy. My grade 12 English course, like nearly sent me over the edge. I got like an ulcer from it. Every, this is just going to be ranting about high school for a (laughs) moment, but every single assignment was a mind map. And I am not a kind of like artistic person in the way that I can like create stuff. Like my job is editing. I like taking what other people have done and like fine tuning it. And so I just got terrible marks that entire course. It was a complete nightmare. And so I was like, do I even want to go to school? Because this is the worst. And like I had good enough marks, but for some reason I just didn't think I did because this is also a common theme where I think I'm garbage. But uh, so I was looking for schools to apply to and... I was kind of thinking about applying uh, to be a music therapist because I really, really liked music and I find it kind of very therapeutic for myself. Uh, And I was a musician, so I was like, okay, maybe that's something I could do. And I took sciences like all the way through grade 12 and actually got really good marks in science. And so I applied to all kinds of different schools. I think I applied to three or four schools for their music therapy program. one school like accepted me on early admissions and without even doing like a musical audition and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't know, like none of this sounds fun to me. And my mom was like, well, I still think you should go to university because you have really good marks and I think it would be good for you. But why don't you just pick a program that's just based on something you like? Like, what do you like doing? And I was like, I don't know, nothing. Cause all I do is go to high school and I hate it. Um, yeah. So then I was thinking and I was like, well, I like watching movies. And so there was one at the time, there's probably more now, but at the time there was one film program at uh, universities. I think that was like film uh, studies, like at a university level where you were watching the films, not just like, here's how you make movies. Um, And that was at Brock. 
university. So I applied there and got in there on early acceptance. And then as soon as I got accepted there, that was like the first time I was excited about school. So Mm -hmm. I was like, but you can just watch movies and then write essays about movies. And that's it. And it's funny. And like all through high school, like I had friends, uh, one of my best friends in high school said, if I could picture your dream job, it would be like a film critic. Cause she's like, you can watch like the trailers of movies and you can tell if they're going to be good or not. And I was like, yeah, other people can't do that. And she's like, no, I go to see all these terrible movies. (laughs) So as soon as I got in there, I was like, wait, this actually like kind of makes sense. And the the other good thing about Brock is that they are quote for both sides of the brain. So you didn't pick a major in your first year and you had to take, like you had to take a science course and you had to take all these other courses so that I wasn't stuck taking like an arts major and missing out on all these other courses. So if I changed my mind and decided I don't want to study film, I want to be a doctor, it wouldn't, put me back a year or anything. So that was another kind of reason I liked it. So I still took biology and in university, I hated it. So it's a good thing I didn't just study that in general. So yeah, yeah. that's how there's, I got started. Yeah, <laughs> There's so many parts of that story that I absolutely love. And the biggest one is just your mom being like, listen, I think you should still go to school. Because mm-hmm. I think, especially in high school, like nobody knows what they want to do for the rest of their life, you know? And even if you think, you know, chances are it'll probably change once you actually start working or start doing that. So I think going to school, people don't always realize how you learn so many different things besides just the actual things you're learning in your classes. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you still moved out of your house and you learned how to become an adult, you know, living on your own without your mom and dad. You moved to a new city. You learned, I learned for the first time how to ride public transit and how to request Mm -hmm. a stop on the bus. (laughs) Like, you know, the most like ridiculous things, but it's things that you have to like move on that to school that you kind of learn all these other parts of yourself, not just, you know, what you want to do for a job. So Mm -hmm. I think it was awesome that you didn't know what you wanted to do. And like I said, it turned out I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but we still went to school, you know, and gave it a shot and things just worked out because like I said before, everything happens for a reason, you know? Yeah. The thing I feel like that I never realized about that kind of schooling and my youngest brother, he also hated school, refused to go to post-secondary because he was like, I hate school. I'm not doing it. Uh, But the thing that I feel like both of us didn't realize was that you can kind of start to like carve your own path there. Like you, at least for me, you could write your essay about whatever you wanted, whatever interested you. Mm -hmm. So like I was majoring in film, but I could write about whatever I want. So like I was writing essays about like the Backstreet Boys and Lana Del Rey and like the (laughs) Wolf of Wall Street, you know, like, yeah, it starts there where you can kind of get more and more specific into what actually interests you. And like the same with courses, like you can pick the specific courses that are interesting to you. It's not just like you take general biology, general math, you know. Mm -hmm. For sure. And that's so true. Um, I think, I honestly believe that you can find a way to turn whatever it is you're passionate about into a career and you can find a way to make money off of your passions. And it's sometimes hard to figure that out and might take like, you know, years of 
um, going to school or years of networking or whatever to figure out how you can make like profit off your passions, but there is always, always a way. So I think following, like you said, especially when you don't know what you want to do, but you just know what you're interested in, what you like to do, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, go to school for that. Even if, you know, your dad is a doctor and he is like, you know, a film critic is not a real job, you know, or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, just follow your passions anyway. Maybe the doctor and the dad idea is not (laughs) the best (laughs) because I can't relate to that. So people who are probably like, no, that's not my dad at all. Like he would force me to be a doctor, whatever. Anyways, um, find a way to chase your passions. Just, you know, like do a self-reflection of what do I like to do? And then just, you know, go kind of hard on that and whatever's meant to be is gonna be, you know? Mm-hmm. I think too, um, another thing is college and university. Like I applied to a university, but all the other programs I applied to were colleges. And in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it matters where you go. And it, mm-hmm. I know it's dependent on the program. But when I look at my career right now, I went to college, I did three years and I got, I actually don't even know what I got, maybe like a college certificate or something, no degree. Yeah. And I've found that ironically, I'm working with people who have their master's in fashion. We do this exact same job, even though they Mm -hmm. have so much more education than I do. But once, and we can start talking about this more, but I think once you start working and you prove that you're good at your job, you're passionate about what you do, you start building a network, your education. And again, a lot of people might not agree with this, but your education kind of becomes second to all of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, it really depends on the industry and your actual job. But in my case, I was like tagging where I was like, I really don't like school. I just went to college to try to get like my, figure out, you know, what I want to do, how I can make something a job. And I was hoping that I would never have to go back to school after those three years of college. And so far, knock on wood, that's been true for me because it's been through my experiences and through my network that I've been able to advance my career. People are never talking to me about where did I go to school anymore? It's like, what have you done at your previous job? Or who do you know to help you get into the next role kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially like for film, there are people who are like way more successful than me that just started working out of high school because film like doesn't even matter. Meanwhile, me, I went to university and I went to college. I have a degree and a certificate, I guess. And like, obviously, when you're first starting out, I will say it gives you something to talk about in your interview. Like when they're like, tell me about yourself. You can be like, well, I went to school here. But past that point, no one's really asked me about it. Mm-hmm. Or if it has been, it's been like, oh, I went to Brock too. You know, like it's just a way for yeah. you to kind of like make connections. Bond. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's, you can use that time to, you know, move away from home, learn about yourself, learn time management, learn what actually interests you and make connections. Like I still see people out in the world and work with people that I met in school. Yeah. Totally. And I think that actually brings me to the next kind of step in my career is through going to school at Seneca, I had the most amazing professors, I think, ever in the world. (laughs) And they were kind of why I chose Seneca over my other backup college programs. Um, 
but when I went to Seneca, I just got a good vibe from the professors. And one of those professors um, specifically was the one who helped me get my first job and then also helped me get my second job. Like going to college, my professors were still either working in the industry or they had just retired from the industry, but were still very close knit. So their network was insane and by me showing up, you know, and building good relationships with them, proving my work ethic through my internships and my courses that I had with them, they were able to um, refer me to jobs or connect me with people once I graduated. And I think that is a big part too about going to school. But like in my case, it was networking with um, my professors. It might be networking though with like your fellow like peers or whatever, but um that was a huge part of how I got my job. And had I not gone to college, I would have totally missed that step altogether, you know? And I touched briefly on internships, which is a huge part, I think, especially of college programs is, you know, getting that real world experience while you're still in school. And that too is another really good networking opportunity. So when you actually do graduate and you're ready to start your career, you at least have a base starting point of people who can hopefully help you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So from that, I guess I can just tell you, so I moved from college and then right when I quit or graduated college, I almost said quit college. (laughs) Right when I graduated college, I was also working part-time at anthropology and I had slowly moved up a little bit. Actually, can I tell you like uh, off- cycle story a little bit. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay. So in the time that I was in college, right around the time I was getting ready to graduate, I went with my college roommate to a psychic fair. And I know some people maybe don't believe in psychics, but I had a really positive experience. And the psychic told me that she could see two things in my career. One was essentially that my internship, which was like marketing that I did two to three times a week. And then the other career she saw for me was my job at anthropology, which again, I was just part-time. And she said to me that my job, she wasn't saying my job at anthropology, but you know, just this is what I was gathering. But this job in particular, which I connected to the one at anthro, she saw me advancing super fast and being super successful at it. But she was Mm. like, I can tell that's not what you want to do. Whatever this other project is that you spend time doing, is what you want to do. So you need to not be kind of tempted by, you know, your really fast success at this one place when it's not really what you want to do. And at the time I was like, okay, maybe she's talking about anthro in my internship, but I don't really know how this is all going to play out. But sure enough, working part-time at anthro, I was promoted twice in the few years that I was there. And when I graduated from college, they actually were hiring an assistant Um, department manager and they held that position for me to start working full-time as soon as I graduated so that's the other thing is don't think you're above any job especially when Mm -hmm. you're first starting out working full-time retail was not my dream job it was not my devil wears Prada dream (laughs) but it was 
at anthropology, which was kind of a dream, I guess. <laughs> Before moving to Toronto, I had no idea what anthropology was. And now I'm like, wow, I was really lucky to work there. But I didn't think I was above that. So I was like, you know what? Yes, like I accept this position. And I graduated from college on Friday and started working full time at Anthro as a manager or assistant manager that following Monday. And while I was working there, I obviously knew it wasn't for the long term. However, I at least had, you know, a full-time job while I was looking mm-hmm. for what I was actually passionate about, which was marketing. And I was only full-time at Anthro actually for two to three months. And one of my college professors hooked me up with a previous Seneca grad who was working full-time for, I don't know how to talk about these companies without just telling you what they were, <laughs> but an outerwear company, I guess I can say. So yeah. I was able through my network with my professor and her network with, you know, people she's worked with and previous grads, I interviewed for a full-time marketing position as a marketing assistant and then transitioned into my career that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, My college experience ended with an internship and I was kind of like annoyed about the whole prospect of it because they had kind of pitched this program. It was a really expensive program I did. It was like one year of college was the equivalent in price to like three years of university to give context into how expensive this was. And they had pitched it as in they had all these connections, like you were saying, to the industry and they would help you get an internship that would most likely transition you into a career. And then that did not happen. They were like, well, it's your job to get an internship and if you don't get one, you'll fail. Um, and uh, the film like world is very competitive just in general, but especially for internships, because a lot of people in film are insanely wealthy and they get into it because their parents were in film. So they can do internships for like three years because they don't have to pay for anything. And so it took me a really, really long time to find an internship My teachers had zero connections. I had like the opposite experience as you. Oh, man. But I found an internship for a company that shot wedding videos. And they were like high-end wedding videos. Like, I don't know how much it would cost to hire them. I Like, I want to say like 10 grand or something. They would get flown to LA and stuff. Like, it was high-end, but still wedding videos, which like in the film world is a huge no-no. That would be like, it's like above doing porn, but like isn't considered great (laughs) but they were like gonna hire me I could or not hire me they weren't gonna pay me but I could work with them and finish my degree I remember in my job interview with them they were like but why us specifically like why us as a company and I was like because you're gonna hire me and then I can graduate with my million dollar certificate like so anyways they hired me (laughs) and it's funny because uh it was uh a guy it was like his own company ran with his wife and he and I were very similar like we were too similar like we couldn't even Mm -hmm. have a conversation because we were just like too (laughs) awkward because our vibes were the exact same but (laughs) I worked through and helped him basically edit these insane wedding videos uh kind of throughout the summer and I had applied for all kinds of crazy places for internships and just never ever heard back so I was doing that all through the summer and this was when I moved to Toronto. So I was living in a basement apartment, just working from there on these videos. And then I applied to a like advertising post house 
as an assistant editor. And they were like, we're looking for people who are brand new starting in the industry. And uh, so I reached out to them because they had actually halfway through the summer been like, uh, we heard you were looking for an internship. Do you want to come intern for us? And I was like, well, no, I already have another internship that I'm not going to bail on this guy. Um, so I reached out and I was like, hey, we were talking about an internship earlier. Uh, now I see you're hiring an assistant. Would you like to hire me? And they were like, actually, sure. Wow. So That's I, awesome. uh, they were like, called me and were like, can you come into the office in the next 15 minutes? And I was like, okay. Oh my God. This is just par for the course for these people. But so I'm like, okay, like, it's not like I'm doing anything because it's just like my first two months in the city. So I go into the office and they're like, that was a test and you passed. What the so, hell? You're hired. Welcome. <laughs> I was like, um, okay, sure. But they, they liked me because they said they had a bunch of people kind of applying for these jobs and they'd ask them, what's your dream job? And they'd be like, well, I want to be a Hollywood director. And they'd be like, mm -hmm. well, then why are you applying to work at a post house where like all we do is edit stuff? Yeah. So they liked that I was kind of, I knew about the position and I knew I wanted to be an editor. So that's, I don't know, something to think about too, is that I feel like employers can kind of sense if you're trying to use them as a stepping stone. Mm hmm. Totally. Yeah, that was so that was part of why I don't know, they liked me. But then that job was not great. <laughs> it was like it was good for like building my website and building yeah. my like web of people in the city. Yeah. But as far as like a job, but it was also my first job, like I didn't no, like my hours were at least nine to six, usually earlier and later than that, mostly on weekends too. Mm -hmm. And I was getting paid 35K yeah. with no benefits. Like that is, you can almost make that working at like McDonald's. Yeah. But I didn't know that. And I was like, well, this is, you know, my dream job. This is exactly going to lead me to where... I need to go because it kind of set up the trajectory in front of me where you start as an assistant, then you become a junior editor, then you're an editor, and then you're set for life. So I kind of couldn't see the red flags, even them yeah. saying like the interview was a test. That is a massive a red, red flag. flag. Yeah. But I'd passed the test, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. great. But now yeah. like... I feel like if an employer is like, even I hate when on job applications, they make you fill out those like weird personality things that are like, if you had to save two babies or one human, <laughs> which would you pick? And I was like, your job is way less important than you think it is. Like, you're not yeah. Google. Why do you think <laughs> you can ask these stupid questions? But Oh my gosh. Yeah. And Teg, I think really you brought up such a good point. Sometimes you have to learn things the hard way, especially yeah. when you're like first starting out with your career. So my first job was not great. I really, really disliked it. And I was making even less than you were making. Plus mm -hmm. my bus 
since this um, office was outside of the city limits, my bus pass was like almost 250 bucks a month just to get to the office. Plus I was making like really, really little like money. Plus Mm -hmm. I had my student loans to pay. So it just was not good. Plus once I was in the office, my boss was the most miserable person I've ever met in my (laughs) entire life. And I was not learning very much. At least it didn't feel like I was learning very much, but it was, sometimes it's, like I said, you have to learn things the hard way by being like, wow, I'm actually worth more than what these people are paying me. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, you're seeing how at least the company works and functions. It was a very small company. So I had visibility into, you know, how cross-functional departments work together and just like really basic things, you know, even like email etiquette, like I've never worked a full-time job. So I don't know email etiquette, like just the cliche things that people say now, like you have to learn that at some point, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of part of it. And while you're going through it, you're like, maybe oblivious or you're like, oh my gosh, this sucks so much. Like I hate this job, but you are always taking something away from it and you're always learning something and you just need to remember that. And you also need to remember that you can't start with your dream job. You know, like even if this kind of feels like a mistake, like you said, you missed all these red flags. It's like, how did I miss those? Or like, Mm -hmm. how you know, how did I still let myself do this? It still got you to where you are today. So everything happens for a reason, (laughs) literally. Yeah. 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 So from my second job, or sorry, from my first job to my second job, it was a huge jump in salary, which was really great, but it was also kind of the next step in, you know, experience for me. So I was learning more, but by the time I was at that job for two years and by the time I was done again, I was very negative outlook and just like really ready for the next step. But again, I learned so much from that job. And even though when I left, I was extremely like burnt out, I guess is a good way to put it and really like dragged down. No energy really left. Mm -hmm. I was still taking something from it. I, yeah, I have a question. Did you feel like, with your first job, kind of like you didn't really have the space to feel like you didn't like it because you were just lucky to have a job that was like in your field and your professor like hooked you up, you know? Yeah, 100%. And two, you don't know what you're worth or you don't know any different. So you don't realize how bad things are or whatever. Mm -hmm. You don't know that if you switch companies or switch jobs, how things could be so much better. Like you just don't know, especially when it's your first job, but it is very tricky where, yeah, especially when you get the job from a network, somebody in your network is like, you don't want to make a bad impression. You don't Mm want to feel like you're just picky. You also feel very fortunate because you're working in the field that you're wanting to work in. But at the same time, I was only there for a year and I could have quit just a few months into it, but my parents were like, no, just hang in there, you know, like try Mm -hmm. to stay for at least a year. So you at least have some sort of experience that will make you more appealing to the next like company you apply for and you have experience to talk to in your next job interview. So that's what I ended up doing. And I honestly think that was really good advice is give everything a fair like chance. I think starting any job It's extremely overwhelming because you have to figure out the people, you have to figure out your job. In my case, I had to figure out like the industry and, you know, the customer, how the customer thinks and whatnot. 
So you that time all takes time and like you have to give it a fair shot. But if you're like super miserable after a year and if you've tried to talk to your boss or tried to talk to people in the company and everybody feels the same way and you don't see it changing or people aren't helping, you know, make the situation better, then you definitely need to at some point move on and then you'll realize, mm-hmm. you know, what you're worth and how different things can be um, at different companies or whatever. But it is yeah. very tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My first job, I was there for like two months and 29 days because at three months that's when you become like a full employee and they have to give you benefits and stuff and so but the whole time I was there it was just like this feeling in the pit of my stomach that just got worse and worse and worse Mm -hmm. it was like they were like you have to do employee initiation and it was that you had to do uh this really disgusting shot in front of the whole company and then they would like judge and critique your reaction to it and what the hell like there was stuff just like with um just like sexual harassment in the workplace like stuff that should not be flying in whenever I worked there 2016 or whatever that was just considered normal there or it would be like pushed to the front to purposely try to make new people feel uncomfortable to see how they would react to that kind of stuff. And so like these feelings just got worse and worse and worse. And then it was just like the job wasn't fulfilling any of the parts of me that I thought or the parts that I felt fulfilled when I was doing editing work, just like at school and stuff. And then, um, the like CEO, I don't know if she's the CEO, but she was gone for mat leave when I was hired and she came back and instantly said, I don't like you. And, uh, I was like, okay, cool. She was like, you've got a rockin' bod, but I don't like you. What the fuck <laughs> tag this place, man. This, yeah. It, mm, something else. This though has like shaped my view of every other place I worked. I literally thought this is what places were like. Because like you were saying, you literally don't know. So I was like, okay. And then sure enough, two weeks later, I remember I'd seen something on Facebook and it was the girl who plays Phoebe on Friends. And she was talking about how she had been hired to be on Fraser and had just been randomly fired. And that was how she got the Friends gig. And I was like, oh my God, that's going to happen to me. It like clicked in my head. I was like, this lady's just going to boot me out of the company. And then sure enough, one day she's like, Tegan, come in here. Can I talk to you? And I'm like, oh my God, she's going to fire me. And she was like, yeah. So I don't feel like socially you're fitting in here. So this is your last day. I'm going to walk you out. And I was like, okay, (laughs) goodbye. And then the funny thing is I wasn't even like upset. So I was like, this is Mm -hmm. a good sign. Like it was like relief. Yeah. And then I remember all these people like from work were texting me and they were like, I just heard what happened. Are you okay? And I was like, I feel great. I haven't been this good in two months and yeah. 29 and days. They were like, <laughs> what? Like shocked. And I was like, do you people not see how like toxic yeah. it is? Like, yeah. so I left that job. And then the funny thing is then I was just doing like freelance work because what happened is the work that I was doing there was top of the industry and so Mm -hmm. I could put that stuff on my website and I was getting freelance work right away even though I had been in the industry literally like 
three months in one day at that point. <laughs> so it was kind of like a stepping stone. And then one of my first big freelance clients, he posted on Facebook, like, I'm looking for an assistant editor. And I responded with my resume saying that I had worked at the place I had worked. And he called me right away. And he was like, oh, I used to work there. Did you get fired? Because I only hire people who have gotten fired from there. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I did. And he's like, oh, me too. Two years ago. And he's like, all of my past assistants have been people who have got fired from there. Because apparently they fire people like every two or three months. This oh was something gosh. I was not aware of. So then yeah. I like created this little network. And then it's funny, all of my best friends at that job were fired shortly after me. So mm -hmm. now I've got this like little network around the city of people who have been through the traumatic experiences yeah. <laughs> with me. And, yeah. And honestly, like it's so like I love looking back on stories like that. Like mm -hmm. living through it sucks. You know, like you said, you just had this pit in your stomach that just this feeling never went away and you knew it was wrong. And my first job, I would come home crying from work every single day, pretty much call my mm -hmm. parents and be like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. It's so tough living through it. But when you look back on it a few years later, you're like, this is why this happened. And it's because you got, like you said, your freelance clients from it. You've built now a network of people who went through the exact same thing. You got all this experience and, mm -hmm. you know, especially with really big retailers or clients that you now get to keep in your portfolio. Like it all happens for a reason. And it's so hard to remember that while you're going through it. You know? Yeah, what's so surprising to me is that I was the youngest person there by a long shot. Like a lot of the other assistants, I would be, I want to say like 21 or 22 when I was working there. I was the youngest assistant by like five years. A lot of the assistants were like 28, 29, and they didn't see anything wrong with this either. Like they would be mm -hmm. presumably getting paid somewhat similar to me. They would be being treated this exact same way. Even other people from other ad agencies would come and they'd be like, ooh, this seems like a fun place to work. And I'm like, are you not seeing that, like, these are red flags. This does not yeah. make it fun. Yeah, for sure. And I think, too, um, as much as I'm saying, like, you need to live through it and, like, even the bad experiences you learn a lot from or, you know, even bad workplaces, you can take something away from it. There does come a time where you need to get the fuck out. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. And my second job was that for me where I was there for two years and I um, learned a lot. Like I had a really amazing boss, but I was doing photo shoots like nonstop and people thought that was a really like fabulous part of my job. I remember people again, like you take, I was like, I don't know how, how old am I now? <laughs> I guess I was like 22 ish while I was, while I was working there. And I'd post on my Instagram stories being like, Oh, photo shoot day. And right. like, you know, I, it looked very fabulous. I remember my friends being like, Oh my God, you're living the dream in Toronto. Like your job looks so fun. Meanwhile, I had never experienced anxiety until I started working at this place and started mm -hmm. doing these photo shoots and pushing myself and experiencing burnout. I would come home from those photo shoots that everybody thought were so fabulous. And before the door was even closed to my apartment, I was like breaking down crying because I was so anxious and so stressed. And mm -hmm. again, I took so much from this job and I'm so thankful for that job. You know, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, I learned a lot from it, but I knew 
that it was time for me to move on and get out because it was taking a toll on my mental health. And I think I mentioned this in the past work episode we had talked about, um, I think I had said that in my journal, I had wrote, you know, like, I hate this job, which was my first job. I'm just desperate to get out and I want to quit, even though I don't know what's next. And Mm -hmm. then my second job just ended up working out that exact same week that I had wrote that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, putting it out in the universe, it just kind of like came back around and worked out how it was meant to. But sometimes even if you don't know what's next for you, you need to really look at your job and that feeling you get from going to work and you have to say, is it worth it anymore? You know, like I know even bad experiences I can learn from, but there comes a point where your mental health and like you're saying, take all the like sexual harassment and like other bullshit you're putting up with at work. Like Mm -hmm. you cannot choose that over your own sanity. You know, Mm -hmm. like at some point you just have to move on and like yeah. quit and walk out like for your own worth I guess and your own yeah. like sanity. I feel like your gut is like never wrong and you should trust it. So like there are even say when I was freelancing I would get an interview for a full-time job and I know that that job would look good on my resume and I know that it would advance my career but then you get a feeling in the interview and you're like this is just not it. And then it's mm-hmm. like, that's how you're feeling in the interview when they're on their best behavior trying to impress you. Like, imagine that feeling every day. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For so sure. So dramatic. Yeah. My life. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with the whole following your gut and that feeling. After my second job that I was so desperate to get out of, it led me to the job I'm in now. So this is only my third like company that I've worked for, but I'm no longer in the fashion industry. Um, I still work in marketing, but that's what kind of happened to me. I, when I was working at Anthro, so um, even while I was working full time, I went back to Anthro part time and mainly because my first job didn't pay me enough money to start paying back my student loans and pay my Mm. rent in the stupid bus pass fare. So (laughs) I literally had to work a second job. But I started working at Anthro part-time and one of the girls at Anthro, um, she worked in marketing, but for a bank. And she said to me like, oh, what are you doing full-time? I like, I heard you got a full-time job in marketing. So I was telling her where I was working. And, you know, at the time I was still very set on the fashion industry. And she literally looked at me. We we're on our like 10 minute break in the back room at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. And she's like, honestly, this might not be what you want to hear, but have fun with the fashion industry. And once your fun is like, once you've had enough fun, you need to quit and you need to leave the fashion industry. And that's where you're going to start making actual money. And I was <laughs> like, okay, like, I don't know, girl, have you seen this movie called Devil Wears Prada? Because that is still the life path I am on. (laughs) But it was so true. So I had this gut feeling that we were talking about to bring this back full circle. When I was leaving my second job, I was interviewing at a few different companies, one agency, the retailer that I work at now and the Bay. And I was very set on working at the Bay because I think Mm -hmm. everybody who works in the fashion industry in Toronto works at the Bay at some point. Also, all my like Seneca professors had worked at the Bay. So I was like, I'm quite sure I have some sort of network, you know, going for me that could get me in at the Bay. So I applied to the Bay and the interview was not great, Mm. but I just had this feeling where I was like, I don't know about this. So they asked me how much I wanted to make and I was very modest about it. 
um, because I was just so desperate to get out of my job, like my current job. Then Mm -hmm. at the same time, I was interviewing for the company that I currently work at. And I asked them for significantly more money than I asked for at the Bay. Keeping in mind what that girl told me at Anthro all those years ago, since it was no longer the fashion industry, I was like, eh, they can probably afford to pay me way more money. (laughs) Yeah. So I asked for it and they ended up doing that and Mm -hmm. like giving me what I had asked for. It was also, like I said, that gut feeling at the Bay interview where I was like, I don't know, this just doesn't seem right. Then they end up calling me being like, no, you don't have the experience we're looking for. Meanwhile... I was applying for the exact same job at a different company. They saw the experience I had. They thought like I ended up getting hired and they were paying Mm -hmm. me like 10 to 15 K more than I even asked for at the Bay. So it's just like, yeah, following that feeling and you're going to get to where you're meant to go. Even if you take a roundabout way of getting there, you know, it all works out in the end and you just got to follow your gut for sure. Mm -hmm. And if you're taking like even these negative experiences, it's helping you realize the parts that you do like, like with you, you're realizing the part that you love is the just overall marketing of it. Whereas like, you know, if you're just working at a job, even I feel like if you are working in a job that's quote unquote, like the perfect job, it might not be what is actually perfect for you because you might not be correct in what you actually want to do. Like Mm -hmm. I was reading uh, something, it was like advice from 80 year olds. And one of them said, when I was 25, I was, you know, in my first year of being a lawyer and I hated it after one year. And my biggest regret is that I didn't just quit because they had in their mind, well, they had spent all this time and all this money getting towards this place to be on this path and got the dream job. But he's like, but then I spent, you know, 59 years being miserable Mm -hmm. at a job that I didn't even like. And I knew I didn't like it, but it's like the sunken cost fallacy of like, well, I've spent all this time and this job should be good and this job looks good on paper and my friends are saying it looks amazing and then I'm living the dream but it still doesn't feel right for me like I feel like you need to validate those feelings and try and figure out what that means for you you know totally yeah and I think like you're so bang on is things change I think Mm -hmm. in general I feel we can have a whole podcast episode about this actually but as you grow and you learn about yourself things change what you want for yourself changes and that's not bad that's really good actually and like we were saying sometimes you need to learn things the hard way and it really sucks but that's how you know you know and that's Mm -hmm. how you can kind of set out on what discovering what actually does make you happy and what how you can make your something you're passionate about your full-time job and get joy out of the work that you're doing because that is so important so Mm -hmm. I think that's so good yeah yeah so we've both been just working away living our lives yeah yeah I feel like you know like even with my job now it's definitely the best job I've ever had I'm the most creative I've ever been. And like, there's still problems with it. I still need to like figure stuff out, I guess. But I do feel like that every step I've taken has gotten me here. And every job I get to is like closer and closer to where I want to be brings me more and more like happiness, basically. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I don't, I think it's scary for me right now. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I don't necessarily know what's next for me and kind mm-hmm. of going back to that whole notion of things change. So my goal has always been that I want to be self-employed and have my own business. I don't know exactly what I want that business to be, but for a long time, I knew I was obviously passionate about marketing. So I thought that it would be some sort of like consultant agency or like, you know, having clients and then me just doing the work rather than, um, being employed by that corporate client or whatever else. But Mm -hmm. through the past year and a half or year of me freelancing, I've realized I really don't like having clients and that isn't what I want out of my future life anymore. So I'm still, and again, it was really tough pill for me to swallow because it was something that's been my goal and my end destination kind of thing all these years. And then it's really tough coming to terms with, okay, but no, I actually don't get joy out of that. And if I don't want to do that, or if that's not where I'm going to end up, then what is next for me? And where am I going to end up? So that's been tough. And that's still kind of recent for me. So right now I'm just kind of enjoying my corporate job, (laughs) especially through the pandemic and trying to make the most of that, take as much as experience as I can from that. The first job I worked at was super small. The second one was like a medium-sized company. And now I work for a very big uh, retailer. So it's provided me a lot of experience. And right now I'm like, it's okay to not have it all figured out um, and to not have you know, a plan down to like this year I'm doing this so that next year I can do this. And in 10 years I have achieved this. Like that's typically how I live my life. But right now not living that way, it's scary, but Mm -hmm. I'm just enjoying it. Well, yeah. Like even thinking back to when I was in school, my dream job would be to be like editing Hollywood movies and win the Oscar for best editor. And I have still, I'm now, say, like, four or five years into my career, I have never edited a movie, period. Like, I've Mm -hmm. only ever worked in advertising. Now, I did do work, like, in advertising for television and film, but that's different. And it's not as if I'm like, no, I'm not achieving my goals. This isn't, it's just kind of like my goals shifted without me even realizing. Yeah. And And maybe it comes to a point in five years where I'm reflecting again and I'm like, no, I still want to achieve that goal. I want to be cutting movies or I want to be cutting documentaries or whatever it is, or even just like, I want to cut music videos. And then I kind of reevaluate and decide if that's the time for me to do a career change or something like that. But I feel like it can be a situation of like your goals are just constantly shifting without even being aware of it. And it's the same. There are people who, you know, start out in industries and they're good with like burning the midnight oil and going to all the parties and going crazy. But then there's also a time in your life where you're like, I don't want my work life to be that crazy. Mm -hmm. I want, you know, a more stable job. And that means maybe my work's less creative, but I am only working nine to five and never weekends, you know, like I feel like these kinds of things are always shifting and changing. And I feel like as long as you're like aware of it and reflecting back on everything that's happening in your life, it can just be good to every once in a while be like, am I still on the path? And even 
being like, well, those goals are not what my goals are anymore. And I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, aware of that at least. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's worth saying is like, especially in your twenties, don't feel pressure that the job you're doing right now has to be the job you do for your entire life. You know, Mm -hmm. things do change, you change and don't put that pressure on yourself because at the end of the day, that's all it is, you know, is you in your head being like, well, no, this isn't what I had planned. Therefore I can't do it. And limiting yourself from experiencing things or, Mm -hmm. um, forcing something to work when all signs are pointing at this isn't the right opportunity for you, or this isn't the right job for you, like move on, you know, but you're like, well, no, this is what I said I'm going to do. So cut Mm -hmm. yourself a break guys, you know, especially in your twenties, things are going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's your life. Like it's easy to think even that something you studied in school, that is what you have to do for your job because that's what you spent the money on. And that's what you're studying when it's like, you are just spending the money to make yourself a better person. And you, Mm -hmm. as that better person, go out in the world and do whatever you want. Like you're spending the money on yourself, not your career in your mind. Like 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any, um, sort of like regrets or things you would do differently? No, I honestly don't think I do. Um, I, like I said so many times already, I believe everything works out as it does, you know, for a reason and everything, even the bad things all add up to get you to where you're supposed to be. So I think there's times in my career where it was really tough in my career, like the past four years. (laughs) I'm talking like I'm like this super old woman, but there's definitely been times that are tough um, and maybe things that I could have done differently, um, but I don't have any regrets at all. Mm -hmm. And as far as doing things differently too, like I think it's kind of going back to like, you don't really know everything when you're first starting out. So how I, when I look back on things, I could be like, wow, I wish I handled that differently. But it's not realistic because at the time, I didn't know what I know now to know yeah. how to handle it differently. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and you can, you can only work with what you have. Like Exactly. So even for that, I don't think I wish I handled things differently in any case. I think it's really great that I can reflect on what I've done and draw, like come to those conclusions myself to be like, oh, I could have handled this differently. And then I'll just apply that moving forward versus Mm -hmm. regretting the past or dwelling on, you know, that specific situation. It's just reflect on it, learn from it, and then use it to move forward. Yeah. I think one of my big things that I wish, I don't know that I wish I like did differently, but that I wish I could tell my younger self is to kind of like not take it as seriously and not take it as personally because just like how like we're moving through these companies it's like oh yeah the first job I worked at they're like thinking of employees as like even less than that where it's like oh yeah that one girl we hired you know like Mm -hmm. it's not like this whole big thing of you you know failing or you taking a step in the wrong direction and going down the wrong path like it's just like your life and your 20s are your time to experiment and figure out what works for you like it's not that seriously as long as you are you know getting paid and can eat and pay your rent I think if you're learning and you're improving as a person and trying your best that that's kind of like the most valuable thing you can take from it 
Totally. I agree with you 100%. And that's even a very recent realization I've had. I don't regret like being so work focused the first five years of my 20s and, you know, Mm -hmm. since graduating school, because I really think since I worked so hard, it's where, you know, it's how I got to where I'm at now. But knowing, like I said, this recent realization is how there's so much more to life than work. And Mm -hmm. I think it was just because of the pandemic that I actually really realized that. But it's so true. Um, Work isn't the end all be all, you know, it's important. You spend a lot of time at work, so it's good to like what you do, mm-hmm. but it's not worth having extreme anxiety over or being super stressed over all the time or having that constant, you know, bad feeling in your stomach. Like it's like you're saying, Tig, like can't prioritize the company over your own like mental well-being and your own personal right. life because the company doesn't prioritize you the same way as you necessarily prioritizing them. Yeah. And you you are like a whole person. You're not an idea. You're not a resume. Like there should be parts of your life and work is obviously a huge part of your life, but it should just be a part. And if it's not working out the way you kind of thought it would be, that's not the end of the world because you should be a whole person with or without work. Yeah. Basically. I've got a quote that I want to read. Okay. That I feel like is poignant maybe can leave us uh leave the listeners with this but so it's actually uh the start of an essay and it's from the book 101 essays that will change the way you think so I'm just going to read like the opening paragraph and then if you are feeling inspired you can go find the essay but so it's called you're only in your 20s it's not too late to completely start over I know it seems like your 20s are designed for the build, a steady progression of acquiring better and more. I know it seems like the most important thing in the world is to build a picture of mind's eye comforts, the way you have it together, the things the world would look at and approve of, the things you can think about to soothe yourself out of a panic attack. But your 20s are about unlearning too, stripping away lukewarm loves and work you don't thrive doing and friends you've outgrown and limiting ideas you've been leaning on to guide you. You're making room for your actual life to begin. Oh so gosh. there you have it. That's so good. I definitely need to go find that rest of that essay. I love yeah. that. Because it's, it, I feel like there's so much pressure on, on people It's Mm -hmm. pressure to find the perfect job right out of school. Well, starting out, it's pressure to go to the perfect school, pick the perfect major. Then it's pressure to get the perfect job that's exactly in line with your major. And then you work there for two to three years before you move on. But it's like you are like an actual living, evolving person. The world doesn't work that way. And if a job Mm -hmm. isn't working for you, then goodbye job. Yeah. I love it so much. That's a great place to end it, I think, Teg. Yeah, I think so swooping too. Swooping in. Yeah, swooping in with, with your <laughs> Yeah, with your inspiration at the end. I swear yeah. people listen to these just being like, "Okay, I know in the last 5 seconds of this, yeah, I'm going to drop some like... profound wisdom." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, so this was our golden 20s. We put out a new podcast every Tuesday. Uh you can find us on Instagram and TikTok sometimes at our golden 20s. Thanks for listening. See you next Tuesday. (laughs) Bye.